When challenged by hostile church officials almost a hundred years before the Reformation, John Huss repeatedly answered his opponents with this statement, Show me from Scripture, and I will repent and recant. The Bible alone became the foundational battle cry of the Reformation. When asked to explain why the Reformation spread throughout Europe, Luther simply said, The Word did it all. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street, and when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The word profitable means beneficial. The Bible is beneficial in at least four ways. Teaching provides content so we know what is right. Reproof brings conviction so we know what is not right. We're corrected so we know how to get right. Training changes our character so we can stay right. Elizabeth Elliot once said, I think of the Word of God as a straight edge, which shows us our own crookedness. We can't really tell how crooked our thinking is until we line it up with the straight edge of Scripture. Listen now to part two of Living in Light of God's Word. I appreciate how vulnerable this pastor was. He wrote these words. When I miss the word for some days of neglect, my sight of him becomes blurred, my savoring of him becomes dull, and my showing him, which is what I exist for, is diminished or forced. This past week, I met with Pastor Kyle, and he shared with me how our mainspring ministry, that's college and 20-somethings, is focusing on five disciplines for the first 40 days of 2021. While we were talking, I was reminded of how the words disciple and discipline go together. And I wrote this down, you won't grow as a disciple without practicing the spiritual disciplines. Well, I want to share what they're committed to. Number one, prayer. Focus prayer. Here's what they're praying for. Repentance, renewal, reconciliation, unity, spiritual growth, discipleship, missions, and reaching unreached people groups with the gospel. Hey, by the way, let me just insert this. When you hear somebody dissing the millennials, you don't let them get away with it. I like to refer to that, this generation as the Jesus generation. Second thing they're doing is fasting. That's purposeful abstinence from food, certain meals, or other things that take up our time. And Kyle spelled that out. Social media, video games, certain hobbies, sugar, caffeine, etc. A couple days after Pastor Kyle taught on this, I saw Somebody in Mainspring post on Facebook, and he said, hey, just be careful. I'm not drinking pop, and I'm really angry. <laughs> Number three, scripture reading. Following a Bible reading plan focused on Jesus, discipleship, and disciple-making. They're also committed to scripture memorization. Um, there's a memory verse on the bottom of the Edgewood Bible reading plan. You can also get those memory verses in a study that they're following, Growing in Christ. And finally, discipleship. A disciple is a believer who lovingly follows Jesus and intentionally helps others follow him. That includes accountability and regular meetings to study the Bible using this Growing in Christ book and doing life together. So here's the question for those of us who are older. 
What about us following the lead of our young adults? See, as we grow in God's word, we will show that we're true disciples because a disciple learns, loves, and lives God's word. Secondly, it shows that you're a true disciple. Look at the last part of verse 31. Jesus teaches that it's possible to make an emotional decision without becoming an actual disciple. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, comma, you are truly my disciples. So it's one thing to believe Christ and have good feelings. It's another to receive Christ by faith and follow him for the rest of your life. True disciples live in God's word and allow God's word to live in them. He, Jesus, in John chapter 6, gave some really hard discipleship demands. And I commend that chapter to you. As he talks and as he's teaching, some of the disciples, that word disciple means follower, learner, so it's not just the 12. So there were others listening to Jesus, and they said, time out, this is too hard, Jesus. And they left. They're like, we, we're out. So now Jesus looks at the eyes of the 12 disciples, and he says, what about you guys? Are you also gone? John 6, 68, Peter speaks up. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The word truly means really or certainly. So a disciple is literally a learner, one who's being mentored by the master. It also denotes one who follows another's teaching. Thus, a disciple is a lifelong learner who lives out what he or she is learning from the teacher. In my Bible reading today, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus said it's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. Ah, so we don't just learn from what the teacher says. No, we become more like the teacher as we spend time with him. So when we grow in God's word, we'll show and we'll know that we're true disciples. Why? Because a disciple learns, loves, and lives God's word. Number three, knows the truth. Look at the first part of verse 32, and you will know the truth. Incredibly, Jesus references truth seven times in this section. Now, this verse is often taken out of context, so get this. It's important to realize truth is not primarily a principle, not primarily a philosophy or a platform. It's a person and his name is Jesus. John 14, 6, I am the way, Jesus said, and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the question that Pilate asked Jesus still echoes down through the centuries. John 18, 38, With truth standing right in front of him, Pilate said, what is truth? And he failed to recognize that Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life was standing right in front of him. He missed it. Friends, we live in a society that's missing truth today. Our society does not have a love for truth We live in a society that has trouble with truth. So listen, if you want to know the truth, 
Get to know the one who is truth and then follow the truth of what he says in his word. I'm fascinated by how many times Jesus uses the phrase truly, truly. It means very truly. It's always fascinating me because everything Jesus says is true, right? But then there are times he says truly, truly. Here's what that means to me. It means I better really pay attention when he says that twice, right? In the Gospel of John, he says truly, truly 26 times. Jesus always tells the truth about our condition. He always tells the truth about our need for salvation, how to be born again, how to love, how to pray, how to forgive, how to live on mission. Listen, in our world filled with half-truths and lies and confusion and uncertainty, Jesus prays this prayer for his followers. It's an easy reference to remember. It's John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So when we grow in God's word, we will show and know and then go because the disciple learns. Disciple loves and lives God's word. Number four, goes in freedom. Here now the second half of verse 32, and the truth will set you free. Jesus came to set us free from sin. That's spelled out later by the Apostle Paul, Romans 6, But now you've been set free from sin and you've become slaves of God. It's not like you're set free and you live your life on your own. No, you're going to serve somebody, right? You're either going to be a slave of sin or a slave of God, a servant of God. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the Jews are listening to the Lord here. They don't like hearing that they need to be set free, so they push back. Notice what they say. We are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? (laughs) They must have forgotten their history. Weren't they slaves in Egypt? Babylon? And now they're living under oppressive Roman rule? Not only that, they had a warped view of their own sinfulness, thinking that if they kept the rules, many of the rules they made up themselves, they were good to go. Now, before leaving this passage, Jesus gives a warning and then a welcome. Here's the warning. Sin leads to bondage. Verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. They thought they were spiritually superior. Jesus made it clear that everyone is in bondage to sin. You cannot be freed from sin until and unless you admit you're enslaved to sin. That's the warning. Here's the welcome. We sang about it earlier. The sun is the bondage breaker. Verse 36, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is more evidence that the sun is truth itself. Go back to verse 32. The truth will set you free. What do we read in verse 36? We read that the Son sets you free. The Son and truth are the same thing. Galatians 5.1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, how do we apply this passage? Well, first, let's ponder a quote by A.W. Tozer. Each generation of Christians must look to its beliefs. While truth itself is unchanging, the minds of men are porous vessels out of which truth can leak and into which error may seep to dilute the truth they contain. The human heart is 
heretical by nature and runs to error as naturally as a garden to weeds. The heart that fails to cultivate truth and root out error will shortly be a theological wilderness. Here then are some action steps to consider. Number one, develop a plan to soak in the scriptures. You know, many of us struggle with Bible reading, so I want to pass along a helpful concept I heard just this week. The author of the post refers to proactive Bible reading and reactive Bible reading. So in the proactive side, discipline yourself to read every day so you know what's in the Bible, so you get to know God better. You know, if you look, read through the Gospels, Jesus assumed the scriptural knowledge of his disciples. He would often reference Old Testament characters and events. Well, here's one example, Luke 17, 32. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Well, if they hadn't heard that story, they, they would miss the lesson. So in order for us to remember, we must know it in the first place. So are you reading the Bible proactively every day? Beth and I have really been enjoying the chronological Bible uh, together. Secondly is the reactive side. So when you go through difficult times, allow the circumstances of life to drive you back into the scriptures. When you're dealing with death, grief, disappointment, sickness, allow the Bible to be your balm. David experienced that, Psalm 119.71, it is good for me that I was afflicted. I mean, who writes like that? It was good for me that I was afflicted, comma, that I might learn your statutes. So these approaches work together because your proactive reading will help you know where to read when you need some reactive intake. I've been challenged by a quote from R.C. Sproul. Here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it's dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are, say it with me so you don't leave me up here alone. The problem is we are lazy. Yeah. Well, let me give you a a practical uh, study Study how the Savior viewed Scripture. As you read through the Gospels, just notice how many times he talks about Scripture. I wrote down a number, pared it down to five ways, and I'll just share these quickly. I'm sure you could find a lot more. First, Jesus told religious leaders they were wrong. Why? Because they didn't know the Scriptures. Secondly, Jesus told others that all the Scriptures bear witness about himself. When tempted by the devil, Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy three different times, which means he not only knew the passages, he had them memorized, and he knew how to use them when he was tempted. Number four, Jesus came to fulfill Scripture. And number five, this is quite helpful. I'm sure you know people who are like, ah, you can't believe Jonah and the fish and Adam and Eve. They're not real people. Come on, what are you guys thinking? Noah and the flood, sure. Listen, Jesus did. So you're going to have to take it up with him. Jesus referenced Adam and Eve, Matthew 19.4. Jonah and the great fish, Matthew 12.40. Noah and the flood, Matthew 24. Third application, and some of you are really going to like this one. I'd encourage you to take Pastor Ray Pritchard's class on the book of Revelation. 
He'll begin that class this Tuesday night. It'll be every Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. You can access that at 7 p.m. through the Keep Believing Ministries Facebook page or their YouTube channel. Keep Believing is one of our Go Team partners. That class was supposed to start last week, but Ray and Marlene got COVID, so he's hoping he can launch it this week. I talked to him yesterday. I think he's he's up for that. Number four, test the teaching you hear. Not every bestseller is the best book to read. Not every podcast is worth your time. Not every popular preacher is worth listening to. 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That means you should check what I say as well. When our daughter Megan was just seven or eight years old, I asked her to review a video uh, with me. The video was put out by a very popular pastor. We went down in our basement. We were living in central Illinois, so she's seven or eight years old. We're on the couch. I'll never forget it. We're watching the video. I'm leaning forward, taking notes. I was getting a lot out of it. And I hear her say, "Uh, Daddy, this doesn't sound right. I don't think he's being biblical. (laughs) Oh, I listened a little bit longer and turned it off. She was spot on, and she caught error before I did. That man is now a full-fledged heretic and goes around the country doing seminars with Oprah Winfrey. He was a pastor. Listen, the best way to spot a counterfeit is to be familiar with the real deal. So we need to know the truth of the Bible if we're ever going to spot error. I'm told when bank tellers are trained to recognize counterfeit money, they're given real money and they're told, familiarize yourself with this. Touch it, feel it, smell it, hold it up, look at it, become very familiar with the real money. So then when counterfeit comes, you're like, ah, this isn't right. Number five, don't become spiritually sleepy. We established this last week. It's good to remember, you will not coast into Christ-likeness. Romans 13, 11 says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So it's time for us to live on mission by obeying the great commission. Sometimes we take the word of God for granted. We don't value it the way we should, like a young man who was getting ready to graduate from college. His name was Philip. He had eyed this beautiful sports car at the dealer's showroom, hoping his father would purchase it for him when he graduated from college. And each day leading up to the big day, he looked for signs to see if his dad had purchased the car. After the graduation ceremony, the father summoned his son to his private study. Proud father handed his son this gift wrap box as he expressed his feelings about the big accomplishment his son had achieved. Intrigued, but to some extent disappointed, the son unwrapped the box to reveal a leather Bible with his name embossed on the lower right-hand cover. He raised his voice. He shouted at his father, you cut me a Bible for graduation? I mean, with all the money you have, you got me this? The son left the Bible on his dad's desk, stormed out of the office, and his relationship with his father was fractured from that point on, and he never apologized for his outburst. 
He went on to become, got married, raised a family, ran a very successful business, lived a very comfortable life. One day he received a message stating his father had died from a massive heart attack. The son was in charge of the estate, so he needed to come home and execute the wishes of his father. And as soon as he arrived, regret overwhelmed him. Searching through the papers on his father's desk, he came across the Bible he had received for graduation, still in the original box. With tears streaming down his face as he flipped through the pages, he noticed a bookmark next to a verse that his father had carefully outlined. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him, Matthew 7, 11. And as he closed the Bible, he felt something attached to the back cover. It was the key to the sports car he had wanted with the tag of a local dealer's name on it. And inscribed on the tag was his graduation date and three words, paid in full. Friends, some of God's richest blessings are packaged in the Bible. And unfortunately, many Christians will live and die without ever experiencing them simply because they didn't open it every day. So will you learn it, love it, and live it by growing, showing, and knowing and going? You know, some people, as we began today, believe that all religions are the same. David Platt illustrates how Christianity is different. He had a conversation with two guys who followed two different religions. Platt writes, it's almost like you guys picture God at the top of a mountain and we're all at the bottom. I may take this path up, you may take this path up, but in the end, we'll all be in the same place. Well, these two guys smiled and said, exactly, you understand. David David Platt then said, well, what if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain didn't wait for us to find our way to him, but he actually came down to where we are? They responded, well, that would be great. Uh, To which he replied, well, that's the difference. What we find in the Bible is the story of God who has not left us alone to try to find our way to him, but he has come to us and he has made the way to us through Jesus. Listen, you can have the assurance right now that your sins are paid in full because Jesus has made his way to you. He died on the cross for your sins. He was raised on the third day. I think of another truly, truly statement. John 3, verse 3, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Friend, put your faith in him today and then lovingly follow him every day and then intentionally help someone else do the same. Amen and amen. If you're ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can do so right now. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that he died in your place on the cross and was raised again on the third day. Repent from your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Commit to follow him faithfully as his disciple for the rest of your life. If you don't have a study Bible, can I encourage you to get one? The only way to grow is to be saturated in the scriptures every day. The Bible is powerful and active and can stand on its own. 
When Charles Spurgeon was asked to defend the Bible, he replied, The Word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defend itself. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. If you don't have a church family, we'd love to have you as a guest at one of Edgewood's three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. We have a full children's program during both Sunday services. My name is Matt Williams and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.